You're with Katrina King, General Manager of Capital Solutions, and I am excited to have here for our very last COP27 interview, I think both a very exhausted yet very energised Dr. Sebastian Thomas, QIC's Lead of, of Climate and the Environment. So really looking forward to find out what the final days have meant for investors, uh, I guess, population around the globe. So Sebastian, thanks for joining us. Good to be back with you, Katrina. A lot of the themes that are coming out talk about the importance of being more interconnected between climate and nature goals and the fact that they will get more integrated. I'd be interested in your thoughts as to how do, how do we do that? How do asset teams and investment committees get themselves together to assess these in, in that way? And perhaps the way to ask the question is, in five years' time, what does an asset management team and an investment committee process look like? It's a great question. And, and I think it's, it's really part of the work that is underway, how we make this fundamental shift in thinking. And what it goes to is that you need to take a systems view of what's happening. So for example, let's, let's think about Australia and let's think about water. Now, if we are building new suburbs, new homes, areas for people to, to live and, and work and send their kids to school, those new areas need water infrastructure as well as power and other services. But those areas are often built at the expense of habitat for, say, koalas and other biodiversity. And it's also the case that if we go in and, and, and build a, a, a new housing estate and don't think about its potential to be flooded as extreme events ramp up over time, then we're setting ourselves up for failure down that track. So I think what we need to do is take a really integrated approach to, to climate and nature, which means thinking about, okay, what are the, the carbon aspects? What are the uh, emissions in, involved in um, either clearing land or, or building new infrastructure, but also what are the water factors? What does industry need? What do residential areas need? What is the, the hydrography, the hydrology of, a, uh, of an area if we're building in places that can potentially uh, be flooded during extreme events? You know, I, I know what's happening in Australia at the moment. Um, we're seeing it here in the news. And I, and I, I saw the, the, the current flooding event being referred to as a freak event. And I guess this is the understanding. It's not a freak event. These things will happen every year for several mm. years, and then you'll have five years of drought, and then they'll happen again. So what we need to be doing in, in investment committees is sitting down and saying, what is the big picture that includes climate, which we can measure through greenhouse gas emissions and, and, and carbon? Uh, what's going on with biodiversity? What are our adaptation needs in terms of the, the future trajectory of, of extreme events? Uh, and also a change in climate. Thank you. So um, both at the outset, uh, I guess, of the due diligence at the asset stage, really making sure that those uh, aspects are well considered, but then um, active management plans for businesses under different scenarios of waste, water, biodiversity changes as well, or perhaps implementing positive changes in those um, become part of the asset assessment. As That's you right. um, think about heading back and, and heading onto the plane, what would be, um, and I'm, I'm sure actually that there will be a lot of concerns about the final, the final statement and we look forward to hearing that, but what's one thing that has surprised you on the upside from your time in Sharm el-Sheikh? There's two things really, and they're, they're the same thing in, in different ways. On the one hand, we're seeing different industries take a real leadership position and saying, we get it and we're going to go for it. 
So whether it's in mining and resources where there are um, major global players, including Australian companies, that are making the decision to completely uh, convert their fleets and operations to renewable energy and so on, um, investing in new technologies and seizing those opportunities. That's, that's one industry example. But it's happening as well in pharmaceuticals, for instance, where the overwhelming majority of emissions are in uh, the supply chain. And we're seeing companies step up and take a leadership role that's saying we are going to work with our suppliers um, right across our, our supply chains to, to bring those emissions to zero. That's happening in mining and resources, in pharmaceuticals, in um, all kinds of other uh, sectors, including the financial sector. And that's a really positive thing. And then the other part of it is seeing that those um, that those private sector players uh, recognise quite clearly that things need to be brought together. That if you if you approach climate and nature separately, for instance, you can end up with perverse outcomes. But on the flip side, when you address those those goals together. Uh, you see these these synergies and 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 greater opportunities, but companies I think in the private sector recognise they can't do those things on their own, and so there are some really impressive examples of um, public-private partnerships and multi-stakeholder coalitions, uh, the Race to Zero, the Alliance for Clean Air, the the Water Resilience Coalition, the Leaf Coalition. There are many examples of these, the Race to Resilience, and and these partnership approaches are bringing very different voices to the table together, um, bringing different skill sets, different expertise, but all um, finding solutions united by the understanding that this is critical uh, and the urgency to, to make those positive changes. And I think that those, those organisations that are part of those processes are the ones that are going to reap the benefits. Thank you. So, yeah, I've, I've heard that theme quite a bit, I guess, from you over the week, the importance of coalitions, the importance of not thinking there is just one solution, the importance of public-private partnerships. So it is that networking that I guess that you're able to attain over there that is a really great start with that. You're listening to Katrina King, General Manager of Capital Solutions, and um, I've got the honour of speaking to uh, Dr. Sebastian Thomas, who is on the ground for his final days in Sharm el-Sheikh, about his learnings from COP27. Uh, Sebastian, when you finally get back to QIC, um, perhaps in conclusion, you could let me know, what do you think your key messages to our asset teams will be? Well, I think, I think there are three things. This is a fundamental change. Uh, we, we must sort of start thinking in, in different ways. and um, that is not an easy thing to do because it is it is a fundamental change. Um, but secondly, this is a, an issue of, of leadership and being proactive and, and just being willing to to engage and do the work. We're not going to um, always succeed at everything we do, uh, but I think that every organisation needs now to be willing to make the efforts. An example is I was talking to a young woman on, on one of the shuttle buses the other day who was a 20-year-old Canadian. And she said to me, that's right, in years to come, every job will be a climate job. And, and I thought that was a, a good way to put it. So I think that's the, the second thing. It's, it's about leadership, but what that means is that every job's a climate job um, and every one of us 
needs to be able to be thinking uh, what's our role in this in this transition. And the, the third and final thing is really that um, this is inevitable and it's urgent. And if we're not uh, being proactive about this, we're going to get left behind. Thank you. And yeah, certainly hearing that, um, and I guess more roles for uh, people with science backgrounds on investment committees, on asset management due diligence teams, really being able to assess that asset longevity from that lens of climate risk uh, and also biodiversity potential as well um, is something that I'm sure uh, we will have to think about in our own resourcing of making sure that we're building into um, asset opportunities. But thank you very much for your time. It's been um, incredibly fascinating and really exciting to meet up each day to get your insights. I think I am um, feeling quite positive about COP27, um, even though, as we said, it was billed as a, a smaller COP. But that focus on net zero without greenwashing, the strengthening of the voluntary carb carbon markets, um, some real evidence and energy that you have explained to us about how private finance is flowing. And also, I guess, finally, how we're going to um, reform financial institutions have all been major takeaways. So thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure, Katrina. Thanks so much. Thank you.